I asked you a question. The trickle of blood from Judy's temple seemed to enrage Phil. Answer me. Who else saw you begging? I was not begging. Dazed by the blow, she wiped away the blood with the back of her hand. I was asking the time and the man just thought I was begging. It doesn't make sense. Why would he think you were begging? I don't know, she sobbed. I would never beg. Why would I need to? She had to humour him or pay the price. You've always provided for me. Clinging to him, she appealed. Listen, Phil, I was not begging. He stared at her hard and long before crushing her to him. You're right, he stroked her hair. I took care of you when nobody else would, because I love you. I've always loved you. Then he was pushing her towards the stairs. Judy knew full well what was coming, but she said not a word. Instead, she allowed herself to be led up to the bedroom, where he roughly stripped off her nightgown and threw her onto the bed. Who do you belong to? You. Say it properly. I belong to you. That's right. You need to remember that. They all need to remember that. Tearing off his clothes, he straddled her, his hands all over her, touching her face, fondling her small, pert breasts, her smooth thighs. You're very special to me, he murmured hoarsely. There are men out there who will give their right arm to have you, he sniggered. They can't have you, though, can they? Not when you belong to me. Judy thought it was a strange kind of love that wanted to hurt and dominate. There was a dark hatred in him that filled her with terror. But still she said nothing, for if she dared to disagree, she would be made to pay. In fear and repugnance, her dearest wish was to find the courage to put a million miles between them. When he was in this mood, though, Judy knew to keep her silence. You're the loveliest thing I've ever seen. He traced his finger over her neck. My dear, sweet little mouse. His passion so obviously aroused, he whispered harshly, If any man ever tried to take you from me, I would have to hurt him. Really hurt him. He grabbed her by the mouth. You understand that, don't you? She whispered the answer he wanted. Yes, Phil, yes. Smiling, he bent to kiss her. Good girl. Now then. You haven't forgotten how to please your man, have you? Because that would really upset me. She shook her head. I haven't forgotten. Good. His taking of her was incredibly cruel, and when she cried out with pain, it only spurred him on. Trapped beneath his considerable weight, Judy could almost taste the booze on his breath, and something else, heavy on his skin, a woman's perfume. She felt defiled. Like a predator, he'd swooped on her when she was at her lowest. Over the years, he had moulded her to him, skilfully quashing all her resistance. After Harry had gone, the family rejected her, and the nightmare worsened. For a while, she was totally lost, until Phil Saunders took her under his wing. At first, he was kind, sometimes funny and wonderful, always ready to take care of her. But then, slowly... Almost without her realising it, he became her jailer. He knew exactly how to torment her, about Harry having deserted her and the callous way in which her family had kicked her onto the streets. 
He goaded her about the faceless men who had used and left her, about the other things that had haunted her so she had no self-respect, no sense of identity. Phil Saunders had drained her of ambition and purpose. He knew her past and he had played on her fears until she truly believed that no one else would want her, that she was worthless. Don Roberts, a stocky man with a cropped grey beard and round blue eyes, sat at the kitchen table, his troubled mind going back over the years. Not so long ago he had been a strong, proud man. He had a wife and family, a good job and a future. Now, at sixty-eight, all that was behind him. His wife, Norma, had passed on. Shortly afterwards he had sold his home and moved in with his eldest daughter, Nancy, and her family. So many regrets. So much heartache. Yet of all the aching memories, the one that pained him the most was that shocking, fateful day, seventeen years ago, when Judy told them she was carrying Harry Blake's child. He still bitterly regretted how he and his wife had turned their daughter out, at a time when she needed them most. Sammy! Nancy's voice shattered his thoughts. What? Sammy was impatient. This was the third time her mother had called up the stairs to her. Have you packed your suitcase yet? Not yet, I'm reading. Oh, for heaven's sake, why will that girl never do what she's asked? Swinging round, Nancy addressed Don. Honestly, Dad, what's the matter with the child? Don smiled knowingly. She's young, that's all. She's got a million more important things on her mind than packing a case. Leave her be and she'll do it all the quicker, he promised. Well, she best get a move on. Brian's only at the garage filling up with petrol. Woe be tighter if she still hasn't done it by the time he gets back. Tall and slender, with auburn hair and an air of authority, Nancy Wells bore no resemblance whatsoever to her younger sister, Judy. Sammy, you've got half an hour at most before your father gets back, she shouted up to her daughter. And find David, he seems to have gone missing. For crying out loud, will you stop panicking, Nancy? You've plenty of time yet, Don said. Nancy threw herself onto a chair. Oh, they wear me out at times, she moaned. I haven't even had a cup of this morning. Put the kettle on, Dad, she told him. You make a pot of tea while I sort those two out. And she was up again, marching towards the stairs. Don gave a heartfelt sigh as he did as he was instructed. Oh, that's a frightening sight and no mistake, her and Nancy on the warpath. While filling the kettle, he summed up Nancy's character to a T. Do this, do that, don't forget to make your bed, take the dog for a walk. Oh, and put the kettle on, Dad. He shook his head, grinning. <laughs> like daughter, like mother. She had a way of making me think I was still in the army and all. Through the window, he could see his grandson, David, a fine young fellow of twenty with dark good looks that attracted the girls. He was a mechanic, a responsible, contented young man who had a friendly, natural way with people, unlike Sammy. Sammy was fiery where David was a listener. She was boisterous and rebellious where he was easygoing, and when it came to tempers, Sammy could frighten the devil himself. A stunning-looking girl, Sammy was fine-boned with auburn hair like her mother, but where Nancy's hair was straight, Sammy's fiery locks were wild and burnished like sunshine on moorland. Her wide, honest eyes were softest brown with flecks of twinkly blue.
When she wasn't in one of her dark moods, she was a warm-natured, fun-loving girl, possessed of an infectious laugh that drew you to her, and with a passion for life that left him breathless. Don loved his family, but he loved Sammy most of all. She was a very special person with a beautiful and loving heart. He'd only ever loved one other person in the same way he loved his granddaughter. She, too, had been another bright and lovely creature, Judy, the daughter he and the family had so deeply wronged. I mean it, Mummy, I don't want to go. Well, hard luck, because I'm not leaving you behind, and that's that. Don heard the rumpus upstairs and despaired. Oh, I don't know who's worse, he muttered into his teacup. The mother or the child? Why not? I can look after myself. I've left school for heaven's sake. I said no. Then let Grandad look after me. Enough, my girl. Nancy's voice shook with anger. You're coming with us and that's that. Don rolled his eyes as Nancy came thundering down the stairs. I've had just about enough of that girl, she fumed, rushing into the kitchen. What am I going to do with her, Dad? She's out of control. She should be grateful. Her Uncle Mac is very kind to let us use his lovely house while he and Rita are away on business. Nancy, for a start, Uncle Mac is not just being kind. Don had always been proud of his younger brother, though he was under no illusions. My brother has always been able to grasp an opportunity. He wants someone to look after his grand property in Lytham St Anne's while he and Rita are away. You and the family need a place to stay at the seaside, so it's a good deal either way. 